In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Excellent. Thank you very much. So I'm here with three other Irish Browns fans. First of all, the president of the Galway, Ed. You don't sound very Irish. Tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm not, Paul. I, I moved to Ireland about 22 years ago. I'm originally from um, just south of Cleveland, a place called Maston, Ohio, which would be the birthplace of Paul Brown, the original. And... Um, as I've always told Paul, there's a statue there, and one day there will be another statue to the great Paul Brown from the UK. <laughs> I won't go that far. But Ed, I, I want to say one thing is, I came over to Galway uh, last year, and thank you so much for putting a great show on and making me and, my, me and Mike feel so welcome. So thank you very much, Ed. Always welcome. Hope to have you in uh, 2019 also. Awesome. And John, you're in Southeast Ireland? I am Paul, yes, I'm in, uh, in County Wicklow. Excellent. And what's like the nearest city to you? Uh, I suppose uh, Dublin. Dublin is about an hour, uh, an hour north. Um, so it looks just south of Dublin. Oh, excellent. And I know you're always tweeting. Thanks a lot for all your support. Last and not least, Mr. Jim Custard on Twitter or Neil Dunworth. Neil, how are you? Hey, Paul. Good to be back. Once again, you and Ed in Galway are running a real tight ship there. Thank you very much. I reckon anyone that goes to Ireland should definitely make the effort and come and see you in Galway. Uh, it's, it's, it's been great, actually. We've had a couple of people hit us up after they've listened to your podcast and we've met them and you know, they've met up with us for meetups. So it's, uh, you've been a real help to, to, to kind of drive people towards, towards us within Galway as well. So thank you. No, no worries. And uh, obviously, you and Ed are both in Galway. So, uh, do you see each other when the Browns aren't playing, or both busy? We got together at the Super Bowl party, which is a great crack. So, uh, yeah, and we both had our Browns jerseys on, and uh, we represented represented the team proudly. Anyway, excellent. How many uh, fans were there that night? About one hundred and ten, we think, Neil. <laughs> And uh, it, it was a local, there's a local American football team, that, you know, they're full on pads and helmets called the Galway Warriors. And they use this event as their fundraiser and uh, great fun, you know, absolutely would recommend it. And John will get you out there next year yourself. Hopefully you'll take a day off on the Monday and come out on the Sunday. That, that sounds really good. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my agenda. Excellent. And uh, tell us, uh, two out of a hundred uh, fans. What was the biggest fan group that night in the Super Bowl party? Oh, definitely. I, I think it had to be the Patriots. There's a lot of Patriots fans. You know, maybe Boston. The affinity between Boston and Ireland within the states. But uh, yeah, every second person was a Patriots fan. Also, potentially, there was a lot of maybe just people come along for the night and said, "Well, I'll pick the team that most likely will win." 
but no, definitely Patriots fans. Uh, there was quite a lot of uh, Dolphins fans actually there as well. There was a couple of Dolphins fans, but uh, definitely Patriots fans were the biggest. Excellent. And a uh, question for you first, Ed, is how many Browns fans do you reckon there is in Ireland? It's a really good question, Paul, because, um, you know, we started the club last year at this time around last year and really, you know, started advertising it, I suppose, as the football season came around. And I was actually surprised at, you know, all, you know, like Neil and, you know, the number of people that I met locally that were Browns fans. And, um, I mean, to put a number on it, you know, we've got 110, I think, followers of our Facebook site. And I would say a large portion of those are Irish and, and local. And um, so it's just a matter of mobilizing those folks and getting them out next year. Yeah. And uh, if I'm correct, guys, you had over 25 people at one game this last year, yeah? That's a, that's really impressive. So uh, we did, and it, you know, I suppose the other side of that is, um, you know, as you're probably aware, um, you know, Galway's a big tourist attraction. There's always lots of Americans going through Galway, and um, you know, especially early in the season, September, October, you know, when the tourist season was in full strip swing, you know, the number of people that contacted me, you know, via the Facebook site. Um, and just said, hey, we're going through Galway. And, you know, on that night that we had the 25 or so, I'd say half of those were just Americans passing through, you know. So, um, and they love that, you know. They they love to be able to, you know, yeah, it's awesome. go to a different country and, and, and support the team. Yeah, I must admit, when I was in Galway, I could hear a lot of American accents a lot. So, it must be a huge tourist place for the Americans. John. Why have you not been up to Galway yet and met with the guys up there? Life, Paul, unfortunately. Uh, kids, work, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I've actually, I'm actually really kind of new to the, to the Browns scene in Ireland, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I've been following the Browns since about the 90s, but since the expansion, really. And it, it's sort of been, like, from a distance. And uh, I, I wasn't really terribly active on Twitter until a few years ago. And I've really found... I've sort of found the, the the international Browns fans sort of since then only in the last few years. So I, I've literally been living in a bubble, being a Browns fan, n- not knowing anyone else or sort of communicating with anyone else about the Browns for approximately 20 years. So the last few years have been really great, like, you know, sort of getting to getting to know people on Twitter and getting to have people to be able to have the back and forth, have the banter, have the have the conversations with, because I've kind of got into a lot of the draft stuff over the last few years as well. You know, just being a Browns fan, you 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 get used to being a you know a draft fan. Yeah, I, I reckon in the UK we've got 500 visible members, and I think we've got 500 bubble members. And the reason why I think there's so many bubble fans is because when you go to Wembley and you pull someone aside and go, "Oh, are you part of the British backers?" and they're like, "No, never heard of them." And I'm I grab someone else, and they got a Browns jersey, and I said, "Are you part of the British backers?" Like, "No, never heard of them." So I, I, I think there's a good number, like a Wembley, for example, that don't know about the online community. So um... yeah, definitely. That 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 is my experience. Like as I said, like I've I have, I have one. There's one guy I went to school with who's a Patriots fan. He's been a Patriots fan. He's not a bandwagon, to be fair. He's been a Patriots fan for 20 years, and and we we would converse a lot about football because I, I literally didn't have anyone else in my life that knew anything about American football, you know? Uh, so it's kind of, it's kind of just been back and forward with him for, um, for nearly 20 years. But as I said, if you're, if you're not online, if you're not engaged online as an international fan, you, you, you'll have a lonely existence, you know? 
Yeah, good. And Ed, 2019, have you got any big plans uh, for the backers group? Any big events you're going to be putting on? Hey, I'm not sure about the big events, but the number number one item is to get some T-shirts. You know, everybody that, you know, um, you know, especially the, for the fans from the States who are coming over as well as the local folks, um, they want to get some T-shirts and um, we're going to get those printed up, you know, early in the year. We'll get those distributed out and we'll start advertising the club. And, um, you know, we've got a nice little pub, you know, in terms of Garvey's, you know, we've got good support from them and we've got a nice viewing area down there. And, and Neil, you know, is our, our technology expert. He's able to cast the games and, and, and do all that good stuff. So, we, you know, I think we'll stick with the formula and uh, just keep advertising locally and, and, and keep bringing the people in, you know. Excellent. And if the uh, London, uh, London British backers hold, host a, a one-off big weekend, maybe the reunion, uh, I said to like Scandinavia, maybe it'd be good if you guys can come in and have like a huge pan-European based in London. I'm not trying to be biased to London, but it's just a good hub for flats. Uh, it's so. a great hub. You know, look, yeah. always a difficult place to get to, you know, so that'd be the place to do it. And Neil and I, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll, you know, we'll get our, our, our passes stamped by our appropriate spouses and get over there. Will we, Neil? <laughs> we've got some great groups now. We've got Germany, we've got the Cotswolds, we've got France, Belgium, and yeah, maybe um, people from Eastern Europe come across for the weekend. It's going to be, hopefully we can get maybe a hundred Browns fans for one game, maybe together. That'd be a great uh, achievement in 2019. But let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on this season. Um, first of all, Ed, what, what do you reckon the Browns win predictions will be this season? Ooh, you know, I, I want to be optimistic and, you know, it's that time of Neil, uh, that time of uh, year, you know, you look around and, you know, you see Pittsburgh and there's a lot of tor- turmoil there with, you know, Antonio Brown and, you know, Bell didn't play it all last year and everybody seems to be down on Roethlisberger and, and then you look over and you see Flacco's been traded and, you got new coaching in Cincinnati and they can't seem to find a defensive coordinator. And, and you would be hopeful, wouldn't you? You know, but I've been through this so many times, you know, and, <laughs> and Pittsburgh always ends up on top and, you know, it's just, I want to believe. Right. And, um, but I still think that, uh, you know, we're somewhere between eight and eight and 10 and six, you know, I, if, if we can do that, I think we got a shot at the playoffs. Ed, you must have been a oh yeah, fan for a few years. How, yeah, how many years have you been a Browns fan for? I, I was, um, again, you know, born and raised uh, just south of Cleveland. And, and I have, you know, I have memories of 1964, 1965. Now I was five or six years old at the time, you know. But, you know, all through, you know, the early 70s, Leroy Kelly would have been one of my heroes. And, um, you know, right through the 70s. So, you know, late 60s, 70s, Browns fan. Cool. In your history, have you ever felt the Browns feeling so good as this going into a season? Uh, you know, you know. Obviously, there was the times, you know, when uh, you know when we lost to Denver three years in a row, and and you know we were just absolutely dominant under the Marty Schottenheimer era, um, you know, and we just couldn't, you know, win the AFC Championship. But you know, if you the thing about I love about this team is just how young we are. You know, I mean, if you look at, you know, the playmakers in terms of Chubb and, 
and 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 Mayfield, and even on the defensive side of the ball with you know with Ward, et cetera. You know, these guys are 23, 24 years old, you know, 22 years old, you know. And um, so, you know, we've got a good core of a team. And and I suppose that's why I'd be a little bit hesitant in terms of, you know, we're going to be 12 and 4, right? You know, I mean, I think we're still young. You know, they're still going to grow. And um, new defensive coordinator, et cetera. But, Ed, have you ever seen the uh, FC North looking so weak Again, I, I want to believe it's weak, but, it, you know, <laughs> Pittsburgh's, you know, just, you know, they're, they're always going to be there, right? You know, they've yeah. just got, you know, they're, they have the benefit of kind of the opposite of the Browns in that they have a, um, an organization that has been built to a system very similar to the Patriots. And, you know, they can interchange guys, you know, left, right and center in, into that system and not that I think Tomlin is a super coach, but they have a really good system there. And, and um, I, I just wouldn't count them out. And, uh, you know, it looks like Baltimore is putting all their eggs in, and, um, you know, in, in their new quarterback's basket. Yeah. And they let go of Flacco now. And, you know, I would, I would hope to see that, you know, Brown Steelers are going to be at the top of the division next year. And, John, what's your um... – predictions for this year at score um <clears throat> i think there's well there's there's two ways to look like i suppose that like if by a lot of metrics like um we've had an a bit of an outlier of a year compared to the last few years so there may be some regression involved but i, I don't really see that and i think if the draft goes if the draft goes as well as last year's draft went and we get two or three um free agent additions like if you get Gerald mccoy on the D-line, if we got uh, a couple of linebackers or a, a linebacker or two into that room and then focus the draft on the best player available at every at every um, pick, like, I, I don't, I really don't see anything stopping us from winning 10 or 11 games next year. I just said, like, the, the AFC, I think the AFC, in in, in my length of time, like I suppose, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching NFL since since the late 80s, I'm following sort of more intently in the last 10 years. I, I haven't seen the AFC as weak, you know, um, like the, the, there's potential, there's potential for winning a lot of games in, in our division this year. And, you know, sort of six games outside the division is not impossible, you know? So like, I, I, I'd be a little bit more optimistic than, than Ed, I think, I think we could be looking at 10 or 11 games and sort of like be, be talking firmly about the playoffs all year. Okay, great. Uh, Mr. Jim Custard, what's your views? I wake up every morning, I flip-flop between 9 and 7, 10 and 6, 11 and 5 every morning. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, yeah, I'm I, going to come down and I'm going to say 10, 10 and 6. Uh, yeah, I, just like kind of what John said, I do think that the, the opportunities to win within the division are there this year. Um, they were there last year, which we, I, I don't think even the most optimistic of, of Browns fans would have thought that they were there, but... You know, we 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 had the chance to to beat the Steelers twice, and um, you know, we had a chance to beat the Ravens twice, and we did beat the the Bengals twice. You know, so it's uh, the the chances were there, and I think they'll be there again next year. So uh, yeah, ten and six today. I'm ten and six anyway. Excellent. Let's just talk draft quickly. Ed, what's your highlight positions you think we need in the draft? Uh, you know, I um I, I definitely believe we need need some defensive tackle help um i would like to see some help on the linebackers 
And, um, and from there, you know, I personally, you know, I, I like what Mayfield has done with the receivers that available to him, but I'd love to have a big, you know, six foot five, 240 wide receiver that can just fly, you know, just somebody that's just dominant, you know, that Mayfield could, could work with. And, um, uh, and, you know, the, I think there's a gap on the tight end, you know, um, you know, obviously we got into Joko, but, um, you know, I'm, you know, I think they probably played it a bit conservative with the blocking tight end. I'd like to see a more, you know, offensive tight end, you know, thanks. in terms of a draft. Yeah. Thanks. Ed. John, what's your view on the draft? Um, I suppose, uh, the, the, the needs I, I see at the moment, particularly our D line and, uh, and maybe a tackle, um, but again, depends on what happens in free agency. If we can, if we are, or even if we can trade for Gerald McCoy, if we can get linebackers in uh, in a free agency, I, I, again, I, I would kind of view it a little bit. And I suppose Jack would have a lot to say about it with um, with positional value in uh, with draft picks. I think no matter what's on the board, I'm probably going to be looking at O line, D line in first and second round, and then like what Edward's saying about um, receivers, third, fourth round. There's going to be receivers there. JGR Sega Whiteside, the, um, the big guy uh, there. Um, DK Metcalf is going to be gone. I think before we'll be thinking about picking a, a wide receiver. So there's going to be there's like we, we're going to be in a position where we can move up. We have the draft capital to do that. Uh, we're going to be in a position to take best player available. Uh, we have a lot of options, and I, I, I have a lot. It's the first year I think I've ever gone into a draft where I'm looking at it going, God, we're, we're going to get like five or six starting players out of a draft, you know, because like just from what has gone on historically. Big call that is, especially with the roster and the cap, we've got space. We have space, but we have lots of space for cheap players, you know, that you're just drafting. Um, like particularly like I think the, um, I think uh, the free agents the signing cream hunt look like it looks like a sort of an all-out move and if that's going to be the attitude in free agency we, we could actually be surprised by what happens we could be surprised by a couple of big you see a lot of uh, like uh, Odell Beckham talk and all that I, I don't really I don't really see the logic in it myself um, but I'm actually not discounting that, like trades like that from happening uh, or moves like that from happening because it, it looks like they might. It'll be interesting to see if if there's a big move made, it could be a series of big moves made and it could be just about to, to, to spend a lot of our draft capital this year. Yeah. It'd be interesting. We're not that far away, actually, from uh, the... Free agencies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a few weeks, is, there is a short month, which is a bit of a benefit because we'll be in free agent talk very quickly. Yeah, and then we, we'll we'll all have we'll all have our memories of that fateful Friday night last year when we got the when we got the the triple header. That was a like that and and that that's the kind of thing I'm looking for this year. Like last year, it was it was a real statement of intent. Um, with doing that and I know I've had some conversations with Jack on Twitter about the value of Jarvis Landry I think everyone is uh, is quite aware of, of Jack's uh, Jack's opinion on, on that at the moment um, but it, it really was a statement of intent and, and I do look at them doing this again I, I do look at them sort of putting out uh, putting the feelers out and sort of saying look this is this is who we are now Yeah, and uh, Mr. Jim Custard once again your quick headlines in the draft yeah once again, just to reiterate what the guys have said, D-line, uh, O-line, that's, that's, they're the places for me. Um, I, I, I have kind of, I don't really think I've seen anyone say it, but if our, num- if our number one, two, three, four 
um, D-line uh, prospects aren't there. And if our number one O-line prospect isn't there, I'm all for trading down into the mid-20s, maybe recoup capital for next year. You know, the difference is there. You might get a Jerry Tillery. You might get a Draymond Jones in the, in the late 20s. Um, I don't see the reason why not because it's, uh, you know, unless, unless the top targets that are on your board are there, um, I don't see the point in just taking somebody for the sake of it. Why not try it down a couple of spots and, and get some more capital for future years? I know Jack and Sashi Brown would be very happy with that strategy. But um, guys, we've got, we're into the last uh, minute and a half. I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, Ed, where can we find you? You can always find us on Galway Brown's Backers. Look us up on Facebook. That's probably the best place to find us. And, um, and again, any of the folks traveling through Galway, making your way through Ireland, um, you know, please look us up. You know, we'd be glad to hook up with you even outside of the football season, show you around our lovely town. Well, that's really kind. And, uh, yeah, you looked after me, and it's great that you look after everyone else. John, where can we find your details? At Dog Pound Ireland on Twitter. Always up for a debate. Excellent. And uh, Neil, Jim Custard? Yep, you said it, at Jim Custard <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> if you're able to find me there. And excellent. And just want to name drop someone else, Paulie Dubs, at Browns underscore Irish in Dublin. So if you're ever traveling through Dublin, there is a contact there for you as well. Uh, however, I do think that the 2019 Irish meet should be in Galway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, Mr. Custard, can you say goodnight in uh, Irish, please? Ihamar. Take them all back to you guys, thank you. <laughs>